Hey listeners, I'm Trey. And this is Dean. Along with EY. Welcome to Pocast. Reviewing films with New Orleans flavor. The very beginning of the movie, I was kind of shocked to see uh, New Orleans as a placeholder for New York City. That was kind of surprising to me. Now that you mention it. Yeah, so the kind of opening scene, opening shot, and then there's like the... uh, you know, text overlay. I don't know what they, the official terminology for that is, uh, but it says New York City, and they're actually filming uh, at the International House on Camp Street because uh, off in the distance, it's kind of blurry, but you can see the sign for Palace Cafe. I noticed immediately just because I worked at a hotel that was near uh, the International House uh, during the filming of this movie. I didn't know the name of the movie at the time, but thinking about it, like the memory immediately came back with the old cars and, and things like that. But I, I think that's the first time I have ever seen New Orleans used in that sense. Like, Yeah, at least as a substitute for a different city. Yeah, because don't they usually, like, I think Vancouver uh, in Canada is pretty popular as a New York substitute. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just, it was really strange seeing New Orleans used. Uh, And then they do it again. I think it's the, really, it's the same location, but from a different angle. When they're in Nashville, Tennessee, later on in the movie, it's still, the exterior is still the International House. That's interesting. I would just say you had a really good eye because I I knew going into this that this entire movie was shot almost exclusively here, but I didn't really see it. I think they did a good job unless you're really, you know, like you said, you were there. At least I couldn't tell that it was New Orleans just looking at it. Oddly enough, usually I can tell and I really couldn't with this one. I honestly didn't notice any of that. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think, I mean, in, in defense of, of not noticing, um, really, there's only, you know, that opening scene is technically New York City, and then they move to, the, like, the Bronx and, and stuff like that, and it's a little more small town. And then, yeah, I mean, the rest of the movie is a, a road trip movie. You know, I'm sure they used various locations in and around New Orleans, but I didn't really recognize many other spots besides, you know, what what I knew just from kind of being there when the movie was actually being made and and stuff like that. Well, it's funny because I didn't know this movie was filmed here. I also, I, I think it's funny because of the lack of new orleans in this movie yes like uh, definitely I don't even... an oops on that one <laughs> well i mean it's fair and i honestly assumed that they would have come to new orleans that seems because yeah. like they were going because the whole story is Viggo morton's character tony lip uh, i'm tony lip how you doing how you doing is uh driving mazarala ali's character the musician dr shirley on a music tour through the South. So you would think New Orleans would be a natural stopping point. Especially with this being music oriented. I don't know. I think this is the first time I've seen a movie utilize New Orleans 
and not blatantly utilizing New Orleans. You know. Oh, I mean? it was a shocker. I mean, yeah. I I would say the only other scene that I think was and obviously not in in the sense of New Orleans, but there was a scene where they're driving and it's Christmas Eve and there's a bunch of Christmas decorations. Was that, I feel like that could have been maybe like Christmas in the Oaks or something like that at City Park or... I don't know. If it ain't the Copeland lights, I probably won't recognize them. (laughs) I did enjoy it, like kind of that aspect of, of it being filmed here but not it it was just yeah i think you summed it up perfectly dean is it was just it's weird seeing and having a movie that's about music and entertainment and new orleans just not being featured but being filmed uh here is definitely strange but i would assume because this is based on a true story well, see, that was my question, because, you know, we don't see every stop they make. Like, there's even just a montage where they literally just do, like, the whole map thing, where they just point out which places they stop. And one of them is mm. Baton Rouge. So they did stop in Baton Rouge. Uh, I didn't have a chance to look this up, but I wondered if they did stop in New Orleans. My, yeah, I I feel like if, if a, a stop in New Orleans was actually on the real tour that dr shirley went on that they probably would have featured it uh but maybe didn't for that reason you would think well it is based on a true story so a true friendship i kind of feel a sort of true story yeah i i I, you know movies like this they always take some sort of creative license um with kind of what happens and i think that kind of could be it is you know uh, is the 60s I think it was. Yeah, 1962. Obviously, I would say the main, I don't know, um, conflict throughout the film is, you know, 1960s deep South America uh, is racism. I mean, that that plays Mm -hmm. pretty much every bit of conflict in this movie. I mean, that's a theme now. Well, (laughs) but what I'm saying is, though, is maybe New Orleans... Uh, you know, I feel stupid because this is kind of something we could probably easily look up his tour date, <laughs> what this movie's based around on to find out. But I feel like if he did come to New Orleans, I don't think there would have been a lot of conflict. That is a and, very good And that's kind of yeah. what this movie revolves around is, is you know, Kentucky, uh, which I do have to say the Kentucky scene was probably one of the most creative uses of product placement Yes. That I have ever seen because they're in Kentucky. Vigo Mortensen's character sees a sign for Kentucky Fried Chicken, and it is in fact like Colonel Sanders Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. Um, Kentucky Fried which... Chicken in Kentucky. When does that happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. It was a creative, um, creative use to it was to say also the a least. Great scene in general. Like I really did love the sort of really tentative odd friendship that sort of blossomed between them um especially at this point it was still rocky that whole scene was was hilarious to me i don't know the way vigo mortensen's character just ate the chicken in this i don't know i have you never done that 
Like driving your car while you're just eating chicken out of the bucket? Of course. I'm a fat person. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not like. I mean, he did get the bucket to share, okay? It wasn't like. He did get the bucket to share. I do love that he threw the cup out the window and he made him like go back and get it. Go back and pick it up. Pick it up, Tony. The chicken bone you can throw out, not the cup. Yeah, I mean, just the food in general in this movie, though. I mean, this is one of those movies that kind of made me hungry it watching did. it. Between mm-hmm. the the hot dog eating scene, um, yeah. the <laughs> chicken scene. I mean, you know, it, it had kind of that New Orleans spirit of, of just, Eatery. you know, various scenes revolving around food. And then really probably one of the, the more comedic moments, because I, I don't... This movie was definitely a serious movie, but it did have a lot of um, comedic moments. Yeah, just I th- well, based around it had a good balance. It was directed by Peter Farrelly, um, who, while not known for his dramas, um, did movies like uh, "There's Something About Mary." Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's Dumb one of the Dumber, Farley brothers. Shallow, shallow How? Yes, he's one of the Farley brothers. I said Farrelly. Oh my goodness. Well, oh, no. Wow. I mean, when I saw it spelled, that's what I thought it was. I thought Farley was spelled F A R L E Y. It's but it was A R R E L L Y. Well, learn something but, new every day. You no, know, he's not. He's not known for his serious works. He's known for comedy. So that made the comedy aspect of this movie made more sense after seeing that. But I think, like Trey said, it's not a comedy movie but it Mm-mm. it really does such a good job of of balancing the comedic moments because you know you have the the very obvious funny scene of you know Kentucky fried chicken and eating it straight from the bucket and then a few scenes later they're at this fancy dinner and uh Tony Vigo Mortensen's character gets the chefs to cook fried chicken um, for their fancy dinner as you know Which, who doesn't it. love fried chicken like the fact that he was like i've never eaten fried chicken is like black white or whatever who doesn't love fried chicken well he did end up liking it he I did mean, once he tried he it did. he just never tried it before a new experience Vigo mortensen was something else in this movie this was definitely one of his better roles i've seen him in outside outside of lord of the rings I mean, it's hard to, like, like, you don't like to pigeonhole actors into roles, but he was literally, like, Aragorn, like, you know, and to see him go to this, it was really fantastic, though, and it really was great and very believable, and, you know, you really think this man was raised in the Bronx. Yeah, it's just, it's funny because I've, to be honest, like as big of a name as he is because of Lord of the Rings, I've seen so little of Viggo Mortensen. Like I've seen him in Lord of the Rings. I've now seen him in this. I saw him in Hidalgo, which I know came out like right after Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. But there was another little movie that we saw him in that almost, as far as I'm concerned, almost ruined Lord of the Rings. Do you remember what that movie is, EY? Oh, um... Albino alligator. Albino I mean that albino alligator. That was one of the first <laughs> movies like watching this that I thought of because he I mean Vigo Mortensen and I said it during that episode he's just so bad. Like horrible. He really was. Bad. 
in that movie. And, and that's what I was kind of thinking, like watching this was like how much difference there was. Cause he does a, a pretty bad accent and stuff in albino alligator. And then to see him in a movie like this, where it like, I mean, from the opening scene, I was pulled in like this movie was one of those movies that just had me from the first minute of the yeah, movie. For sure. And and I think his performance is uh, plays a big part in that. It is you know his character in general, you know, is a is a plays a you know a bullshitter as he puts it in the movie. Um but he just has that like uh charisma. Um mm-hmm from like, you know, the opening scene and all this stuff he does. And it just, yeah, I, it, it I'm glad we got this Vigo Mortensen and not uh, <laughs> albo, albino alligator Vigo Mortensen. Cause yeah, it would have been a completely different film. On the other side of that, Mahershala Ali as Don Shirley, their, their personalities are so different, but they managed to mesh so well. I think they both did. A phenomenal job in this movie like i i don't know what it was like i love them both as individuals but also their friendship was weirdly uh i don't i don't know and not even weirdly is the right word they were just i don't know it was just nice to watch well they played off well they they played well off of each other which was honestly just a joy to watch and vigo morton's character was so relatable like, he was literally just the everyman, you know? And then you have Mazaraza. I always I always butcher his name. Mahershala. Mahershala. I always say Ma- Mahazarala. Mahershala. I have to look it up. No lie. Mahershala, uh, Mahershala Ali. I'm sorry. Who I, again, think is a phenomenal actor. I've never seen him give a poor performance. And I can't wait to see him play Blade in, Mar- in the Marvel Cinematic Ooh, Universe. Yes. Yeah, super excited for that. He played such... He played such a rich person. I can't say it any other way, you know. <laughs> like he played such that weird rich pl- person where the, where his like his his dude is like you know tucking the blanket in under him when he's in the car, and you know he's complaining about getting grease on the blanket, and he has all these you know little uh, not eccentricities but like these little demands like well I need this bottle in my room every night and I need this piano, and it's like. It's it's he it's like he comes from a, a completely different world. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's what this movie kind of really succeeded in, you know, especially with its characters, but kind of um of I'm trying to think of the right word, but flipping the stereotypes. Yes. Um, where, you know, Vigo Mortensen, Tony Lip, it comes from an uneducated background is very a very simple person and then on the opposite end you have um was it dr donald um shirley shirley Shirley, who is is (laughs) is the uh you know more well-spoken well-to-do gentleman but at the same time is battling just life how it was in the Mm -hmm. 60s yeah um, showing that it doesn't really matter how well-spoken you are and how um, good of a music player or anything like that really matters when it comes down to it. Um, he still had to go through what 1960s America was. Yeah, and all of the, the you know, all of the 
rich kind of well-to-do white people that they encounter would always address uh, Tony's character before yeah. they address him or they would yeah. like to ask him to get Dr. Shirley to be reasonable. And there's a conversation between Shirley and Tony uh, like in the beginning of the movie, like one of the first stops they make in the hotel where I thought it was really interesting because just like you said, it flips that stereotype where Shirley's talking to him and he's like, you need to speak better. Like you need to be more well-spoken. And he also says thing, you know, something about was like, now your, your last name, Valalonga. That's a little hard for anyone to pronounce. So let's shorten it to something easy, which, you know, in this scene, it's a black man telling that to a white man, but the stereotype that is unfortunately true is always the opposite. I thought that was just such a really interesting scene to watch. You know, like if you like if you didn't get what the movie was trying to do, that's where they were like, this is what we're trying to do. Get it. And now let's move on. Yeah, there were lots of examples of blatant racism in the movie, like just right off the bat. For example, when Tony throws away the glasses in his home that his wife had let uh, two African-American workers drink out of and threw them away because he like didn't want to drink out of them again. And but then you had subtle, like these subtle moments of subtle racism that if you're not paying attention, you wouldn't even realize they were there. And that was very interesting, interesting to see. And I think it was meant to make you uncomfortable in a sense of pointing out just what what was happening during that time. And unfortunately, still happens the 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 title of the movie is the green book which is an actual fucking book um that had to be used by african americans it was printed annually for 30 years from the 1930s to the 1960s that african americans used to travel safely essentially it told them where sundown towns were it showed them what hotels they could go to what restaurants they could go to without being harassed and i don't know it was just I don't know. It was it was it was upsetting, you know. As much as you're enjoying this movie, because it was a good movie, you're faced with this blatant racism that's still an issue today. No, speaking of the sundown town, so I do think the sundown town where they kind of get in conflict with the police there, uh, and he ends up calling, literally calling Robert Kennedy to get him out of jail. I think that's about as impressive as you can get. Right. I think that was in Louisiana because that happened very shortly after they they like left Baton Rouge on that little map. Oh, so yeah. I think I it, it's I'm speculating this because it didn't say mm-hmm. where it was, but the just the placement of it, it seemed like it, they were still in Louisiana. Yeah, and it was unfortunate because they had gotten lost. Like, Tony was using the Green Book, like, religiously to make sure, you know, that in the beginning, especially because it was part of his job, that was the way he was going to get his money. But, you know, as the movie progresses, of course, they become friends, and he really takes his safety seriously. And so when they got lost and ended up in a, a sundown town, ugh, my heart. You mentioned the opening scene with, um, it was like two plumbers uh, that came and were fixing something and, and his wife um, brought him lemonade. Who played Velma in Scooby-Doo. Well, uh, I mean, Linda, among... 
Oh, what's her name? Among many other things. Many but. other things. <laughs> um, Freaks and Geeks is yeah. kind of yes. what I knew her from. Um, obviously, um, in Marvel, too, she plays... Um, she plays Hawkeye's wife. Hawkeye's wife, yeah. Yes. Um, you know, gives the plumbers a glass of lemonade. He ends up, uh, you know, seeing that, witnessing that, and throws the glasses away. Uh, there's another part where Tony is driving and has to pull over to use the bathroom, and he takes his wallet with him, like, off the dashboard. Oh, um, I didn't so notice bad. that. Yeah, it, it's like little moments like that, but at the same time, you don't, at least for me, like, Tony's character, I never thought, I'm trying to think of how to word this, because I don't think he was they the way they set up his character he's not he's definitely has racial issues but i don't view him as i i i want to just say like i don't view him as a racist but he does do things that definitely kind of put him in that category See, it was more like casual subconscious racism. No, see, I don't think so. I think it was blatant racism. I mean, throwing away the glasses, like it bothered him to the point to where he had to throw away those glasses. And his wife knew this. She took them out of the garbage and put them back in the sink. I mean, bl- pretty much allowing it. But I do think that they, they, they made... That we find out later that Tony is the sort of person open to change. And I think what what made that most obvious to me was when Don gets uh, busted at the YMCA with another man. And Tony comes and pays the cops to get him out. out. And he's angry. And, um, you know, he says, I told you not to go anywhere without me. And uh, Don says, I figured this time you wouldn't want to. And he says, I've worked in New York City clubs for all of my life. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the, the lines of, I understand how complicated it is for you guys. Implying, yeah, implying that he empathized and understood people who weren't straight and how difficult it was for him because he had seen that and been entrenched in that his entire life so they showed that he was open to change and was opening to changing his mind once he was involved in the experience was which is exactly what happened with his friendship with don he was absolutely racist in the beginning of this movie he was did he have a change of heart absolutely because of his friendship Yes, I I do agree with you. But at the same time, it was one of those things where, you know, he still took the job to drive this man around town, knowing the image that it would perceive. So it was kind of like, you know, they set it up to, yes, he, he was racist, but not in the sense that would, like, make you hate this character. Yeah. They do it in a way, and I think it works for both characters where they really don't beat you over the head with everything you know they don't set up tony as your typical ignorant kind of like overly racist character and then on the other side you know dr shirley they don't set him up as this you know stereotypical you know and then what you find out later on in the movie also 
as a gay man too. Like it, it's it, but I I felt like a lot of the moments that happen in the movie tell the story that they have to tell without kind of making it too over the top or or too ridiculous. And I think that's what really helped this film, especially from like a a character standpoint. I think just having it kind of, I don't know, it it just felt more realistic to me. You know, they, they could have amped it up on both sides with, you know, kind of the more racism from Tony's character and maybe the more, made his uh doctor uh shirley's like homosexuality more prevalent but like they they really didn't until those scenes happened and then you're like oh okay you know it, it kind of makes sense and i just i, I don't know I, to me it just made it more realistic it made it more relatable yeah. than than what some other films have have done there is there's an snl sketch that this movie really reminded me of it's one of the ones with Tom Hanks, and it's Black Jeopardy. And Tom oh. Hanks... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Tom Hanks is on it as this, like, incredibly conservative, red, you-know-who, make-America-great-again, hat-wearing person on the show. And the entire the entirety of the sketch is literally everything he's, like, saying and getting the answers right is showing that there is a lot, lot more in common between black people and white people than you would expect. And that's what this movie really reminded me of, um, you know, where there really is just such a, you know, a middle ground that there, there, there are definitely things that are different about, you know, each culture and, you know, things about, you know, Tony being, you know, this very, uh, what he's from Queens or Brooklyn or the Bronx, uh, Bronx Italian man to this very well-to-do man who lives literally above Carnegie Hall in New York City. So it was just, it was really, it was just really touching just overall to see that, you know, such a really strong example of that kind of coming together over race and over class and just everything. If you had to give this movie one to five Kentucky Fried Chicken in Kentucky, <laughs> what would you give it? Overall, this was a really great movie, honestly. Was it Oscar bait? Sure. But did it win the Oscar? Yes, it did. Do you know what Oscar it won? Just out of curiosity. Best picture, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it it I, at least I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, it won um, best best picture, best performance, uh, supporting role, and then best um, leading actor role. So it it won damn. three Oscars. But I yeah. yeah I never heard of this film until yeah um, y'all suggested it. <laughs> But yeah, this this was a great movie. Um, Mahershala Ali and Viggo Mortensen really made this film. Um, I know they were the stars of it, but, you know, I'm not really quite sure it would have been as great had it been any other two people. They were just really fantastic, and they worked well with each other. Um, the storyline was great. I enjoyed watching every minute of this movie. Um, even if sometimes it made me angry, I think that was the point. I think, personally, I would give this movie five 
uh, Kentucky Fried Chickens in Kentucky. Um, yeah, this was a this was a great movie. Yeah, I'm completely with Dean on this one. I this is, I it, it's kind of hard to keep track of what we have watched and what we haven't watched, but you know we're we're reaching up to almost fifty films at this point. Um, so they're kind of starting to blend together, but. I can say without a doubt, this was probably one of my favorite movies that we watched. Yeah, I I mean, just the chemistry between our two main characters completely carry this film. And, And Viggo Mortensen is definitely, you know the highlight i would say i mean his his character is definitely um the more comedic of the two and 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 a lot of the more comedic moments come from his his character but yeah at the same time i mean it it was scene after scene of rich white people you know kissing dr shirley's ass only to turn around and just blatantly you know, do the opposite, uh, all because of the, the color of his skin. So yeah, I mean, every scene that that happened in, I was feeling all sorts of emotions and, and then to have the movie kind of end the way it did, um, you know, where they, they get pulled over again and it's, you know, someone who it's a cop who noticed that their tire was flat and, and wanted to help them and kind of ends on a happy note and they have, uh, you know, their Christmas Eve dinner together. And uh, it just, I loved everything about this movie. I mean, I, I mentioned it before, but from the first minute I was pulled in and I was pulled in until the very end. So I wish I would have heard about this movie earlier. Um, I feel like it definitely deserves its three Oscar wins. It's a shame that, you know, here we are again, uh, kind of with um, a 21 Jump Street situation where it doesn't really take place in New Orleans, but it was heavily filmed in New Orleans. Uh, so we'll use that excuse to get away with it. But yeah, a, a five out of five. I almost, you know, I rented it from Google and have, what, 48 hours to watch it or something like that. I almost want to watch it again. I, I love this movie. I really did. Uh, everything about it was great. It was shot well. It was funny. It was sad. Uh, it made you laugh. I got kind of teary-eyed towards the end. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I could see this being like kind of a more serious version of like trains, planes, and automobiles, like that type of movie that maybe you watch during like Thanksgiving or Christmas or something like that. Um, I just, I, I really did. I love this movie. Um, so five out of five. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, you're 100% right. Oh my God. That's what this movie was. Uh, anyway, sorry. You know, y'all are going to hate me for this. Uh I didn't want to watch this movie. I really didn't. You know, I, I'd never heard of it until now. And I looked it up to see what it was about. And it, you know, from the description, it sounded like, it was like, oh, this is going to be really heavy. This is going to be really sad. It's going to be really depressing. I'm, I'm not going to like this movie. And then I watched it and I'm sorry, but I have to agree with you and also give it a five. <laughs> Um, I did. I love this movie. And I kept trying to like, see if like, there was something 
I didn't like about it was like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the pacing's a little too fast or maybe the pacing's a little too slow. Maybe this wasn't that good, but just everything about it, every scene, just, I don't want to say it was the perfect movie, but damn it if it wasn't close. It, it, the pacing was well, it, nothing ever felt like it was being dragged down by anything. The dialogue, and like y'all said, the chemistry between Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali was perfect. The comedy was great and kept me entertained. The dra- dramatic parts, you know, really hit the right notes, you know, especially the scene that they have, you know, in the rain after they get out of jail where uh, Dr. Shirley's yelling about, you know, if I'm not enough of a black man, or if I'm not enough of a white man, or if I'm not enough of a man, then what I am I? And it just, it was such a powerful and moving speech. It actually reminded me of um, kind of the big speech that's very similar in tone and content in, I think it's Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, or Look Who's Coming to Dinner. It's an old, like, 1960s movie about this, you know, white woman comes home to her family with a new black doctor husband and everyone's dealing with, you know, the racial issue. And it's a really good movie. But yeah, just everything about this movie, I I genuinely loved it. And, you know, I want to come up with a joke to end this thing. I can't come up with one because it was just that good. So yeah, I am, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm giving this a five out of five kentucky fried chicken in kentucky so this is another one where we got a a perfect sweeps movie well not only that like they're complete opposites you know they are 21 jump street and here we are you know with a movie like this but yeah i think it's it's well deserved and and you know anyone listening when this episode comes out you know definitely like these are this is one of those films like you you have to see it i really do think it's you know like you said try i don't i don't think it's a perfect movie but um it's really close i mean nothing in this film feels wasted thank you for listening to this week's episode don't forget to like and review us on your preferred podcast app you can stay up to date by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Podcast Nola Podcast or on Twitter at Podcast Nola. Suggestions and feedback, positive or negative, can be sent to us directly at podcastnolapodcast at gmail.com. Oh, shit. I, <laughs> this happens every time. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, guys. All right. We need to. Am I starting again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. One, two, three.